Welcome to the podcast, Yarning Up About STEM. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands in which this podcast was recorded and the lands of where listeners are tuning in from. My name is Ren Perkins. I'm a Kondamooka man and Indigenous postdoctoral fellow at the University of Queensland. This podcast is part of a project called Big Mob STEM It Up, which informs Australia's Women in STEM ambassador and the Pathway to Diversity in STEM review. Listen to mob who are trailblazing in diverse STEM fields. First off, I just want to acknowledge country and pay my respects to the traditional owners, to especially that we're in NAIDOC week, so acknowledge that and um, yeah, just acknowledge the elders and the, the roles that they play in, in, in my life and in our lives. So, Josh, can you please share with us who you are, who is your mob and where are you from? Uh, my name's Josh Birkin. I, uh, my family's originally from Roma, which is the Mandanji people. I grew up on the Sunshine Coast, um, did a little bit of work out west, and then I've moved to the Gold Coast about four or five years ago. Josh, what is your current role and where do you work? So my current role is an operations and development manager. I work at Durac Civil. Uh, we're civil engineers. Um, Durac Civil has about 35 engineers, project managers, foremen and admin staff working across about 30 projects across Queensland and New South Wales. Um, Durac's known for rural road construction and technical projects in the engineering field. Josh, are you in an identified role? Uh, No, I'm not. How does your role draw on your STEM skills? So with my role at Durac Civil, um, the skills within the engineering field really like involve around critical thinking, problem solving, financial management and quality assurance. And then, like, it goes down to applying standards to civil projects across Queensland, so... Sounds impressive. <laughs> yeah, it can be, so... Josh, how do you see STEM used in your family and community? STEM in my family um, really originated from my auntie, so she's an accountant. Um, so she was the first in my uni, in my family to go to uni, um, which really broke down the barriers for the cousins and I to go. Um, I spoke to my auntie when I was younger about engineering was a better career path than law, um, because you don't have to listen to people's problems all day long. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's turned out to be 100% true, but um, there's still a lot of, lot of problems that you have to solve in engineering, but it's definitely helped me to make this. It made a decision uh, to be an engineer. So, Josh, how was your education experience in preparing you for your STEM career? When I was 15, I would work down at my dad's workshop. He was a mechanic. My dad and my grandfather really encouraged me to use my brain instead, like, like to work smarter. Um, it was really they pushed me really hard to use use my brain to you know go to uni and work, rather than just working hard with your hands. Um, so that was really inspiring seeing them working so hard. But then you know I could obviously had the opportunity to go to university. When I was following my journey as a rugby player, I was told by my mentor, my rugby coach at the time, that I had to have a, a, a backup plan to rugby. If I wasn't going to be a professional rugby player, I was uh, thought I could be a civil engineer. Rugby got me accepted into King's College at UQ. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That was pretty fun, um, which totally shaped my uni experience um, because I instantly had a community of mates, lifelong friends that I studied, partied way too hard <laughs> and enjoyed it along the way. So yes. I did. Um, uni was great. I did love it. It was a challenge. I, I won't lie. It, um, I needed to study hard. I didn't do this in my first year. I came very good at the end of it, but I decided to put my head down and work hard and play hard at the same time. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a challenge. 
So how did the rugby career go? Yeah, I, st- oh, I stopped playing a couple of years ago, um, just retired. But um, no, I, I played some good rugby over the years and took me some good places around the world to play. So it was, it was fun. A fullback, winger? No, no, definitely a forward. So yeah, no, definitely um, definitely not a back. back. Don't, don't play in the backs. An intelligent forward. Yes, I am. I am. Oh, I think I am. Anyway. Good stuff. What are the highlights of your STEM education? Yeah, so my STEM education highlights, I went to uni when I was from 18 to 22. Um, my highlights include obviously playing sport at uni was really fun. Going to King's College was, was really awesome. The friends that I made along the way, um, learning how to problem solve, critically think through tasks. Like the education at uni really teaches you how to critically think and solve problems. Um, so I use that and to improve my life skills throughout and like financial management, you know, going through standards, everything like that. So I really use my education to improve myself in that way. Did your formal STEM education clash in any way with your cultural beliefs? Not at university. When later in my career, when I did my RPQ registration, um, which is like three years post-studying uni through Engineers Australia, you have to do an essay on a bunch of things, but one of them was ethics. And I suppose I realised that you come across a lot of ethical dilemmas in the job um, and you just can't walk past them. Um, so like, you know, you walk past a, a dodgy road build or a defect or, you know, earthworks on land that you know is not right to build houses on, you know, that it won't hold up or clearing forests that have been there for thousands of years. So it was something that I had to, I had to work through early on in my career and, um, and make a decision and stick with it and be strong who you are. Yeah. yeah, it was challenging, yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's great that you could, you know, had that strength. Yeah, that's right. And not walking past something that you know is not right. And that it was, the earlier you learn that in the career, the better you'll be. And you just got to be strong with that. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was rewarding. It sounds like it's held you in good stead. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Who and what inspired you the most in your career journey? In my career journey, I've had a lot of good good mentors, great bosses over throughout my career couple people my ex-rugby coach um glenn panahoe he was an ex-wallaby he really drove me to like be better always be better than the day before so it was a really inspiring um a boss at shadforth shooter dunsky always was a sounding board when i had a dilemma or a issue that i had to resolve and he always suggested good outcomes and i, I learned to have my like make decisions in my career a lot like he, he did and then inspiring was uh, my last boss john howe um who took me through the racing engineering world. And um, yeah, he just really helped me elevate my career and I, like it was good. So I grew up in Shadforth. So I was very young when I started at Shadforth, a civil contracting company. Okay. Due to those bosses and great mentors along the way, I was able to grow and expand my career and gain a lot of experience in a, like, a large range of projects, which wasn't just like you no know, narrow field. So, which is a great benefit of engineering. So mentors were an important part. Hundred percent, yeah. Like it's um, yeah, it's definitely an important part of my life even today. Like you know, I really rely on my mentors to give me good advice and go from there. What barriers did you face as you pursued STEM? Engineering is really hard in the first year. Then it gets easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, you feel like it's impossible the first year straight out of school. There's, I remember when I started, there was like a thousand thousand students, um, and then the second year, I don't know, it felt like there was a few hundred less. So they smash you with calculus, algebra, a heap of math in the first year. Like I failed some subjects and I, and I, 
I left until the last semester to redo them on my last year. And I probably shouldn't have, but it was just something I did. Um, I made a promise to my mum that I would shave my head every time I failed a subject. Did you? Yes, I did. I had to do it a couple of times, but it was only in my first year. So like I said, it was really tough um, the first year, but like somehow I got sick of shaving my head. So I just knuckled down and passed. Yeah, it's just that hurdle, that initial hurdle of getting everyone up to that level, equal level across engineering and in the, in the, in the math. So, yeah. We might put that advice in our study guide. Yeah. Every subject you fail, you have to shave your head. <laughs> it was a good one. It only, it only happened a couple of times. So. Good, good motivator. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My mum would hate me for saying that. But anyway. <laughs> How do you think you could have been supported better through the challenges? In the first year, it's so mass heavy. So everyone's mass levels just aren't the same at that point. You don't really get into the interesting stuff until your second, third, fourth year. It really knocks out a lot of people in the first year, I'll be honest. So I found it a, bar- a challenge for myself and I was quite good at math. So yeah. it was um, a challenge for me because I think they think, like you feel like this is how it's going to be the whole way through and it's really challenging. And um, so you don't really pick a specialised field until the second year, uh, whether that be electrical, structural or civil. And then uh, your electives in third or fourth year, which you might be project management, traffic or anything like that. So that's the fun bit. (laughs) So um, people need to know what's ahead of them and they can stick it out because you just don't give up. How would you describe your recruitment into your current STEM career? My first undergrad job was $15 an hour (laughs) and you had to be willing to travel. So I travelled uh, out to Longreach or Barcaldon with a company called George Bourne Associates yes. and they gave me a shot at um, being a young engineer. Still at uni, second year, um, and I inspected close to 1,500 cattle grids through across Queensland. So wow. it, was a, it was a task. We did um, yeah, close to f- uh, four or 5,000 k's a week just driving, inspecting cattle grids for farmers and if council required them to be upgraded for safety reasons or anything like that. So that was a bit of an eye-opener, being out west. It's a lot of travel. (laughs) It was, it was. And then I ended up working uh, away with Shadforth. Um, So I came back to Sunshine Coast, sorry, got a job with Shadforth and then ended up working away um, with them. It actually allowed me to spend a bit of time back in Roma, where where my family was from, with my grandma. So the projects were pretty close out there. So... um, I remember sitting on the balcony talking about all things life and challenges that she faced growing up in Roma, but it was just a full circle when I got to get, do projects up the road with the gas and the roads and everything like that. So That would have been pretty special. It, it was. It definitely was because I was, I was young, eager, learning everything along the way, um, probably underpaid at that point, but, <laughs> but it, was, um, it was really, really inspiring to have good, good afternoon chats with Grandma about that and all everything like yeah. along that time. What have been the highlights of your STEM career? Probably growing within a company. So I grew with Shadforth from 100 people to close to 1,000 people. Wow. So that came with like a lot of challenges but also rewarding things as well. So like um, with that type of growth, you get pushed into positions where you own the responsibility and you have ownership of the projects that you run um, and you just keep growing and growing. So I really felt like that really elevated myself. I got to work with supercars and Formula One. So that was over the last 18 months I've been doing that, um, helping design, build racetracks across Australia. So that was pretty pretty good. And then the last one is probably doing my RPQ. So getting my registration as an engineer um, was always a life goal of mine from a young when I was really young. And um, well, I was pretty stoked when I got this. It was pretty challenging, but um, a lot of hours after after work. But yeah, it was it was, it was good. 
the uninitiated, what's RPQ? Uh, Registered Professional Engineers Queensland. Okay. So it's like a kind of when you get chartered uh, across engineering. So, yeah. The, uh, the supercars sounds like a very exciting <laughs> experience. Yeah, it was. It really was. It was um, some hard work, don't get me wrong. It was some long hours, but um, the technical aspect across racetracks and um, was really like interesting to grow because I'd done what well, generic civil engineering for a long time and then I, I went into a specialised field and it was very different. I had to almost learn again. I learned a lot about asphalt specifications and, and concrete barriers and and just the amount of friction that a cut race track a race car sorry puts on asphalt around a corner is um like a rips line marking off the ground. So just as a lay person watching the sport, you yeah, don't, you don't see all that background. Yeah, you know, just see the cars racing. So yeah, that's right. No, it's it's very. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and um, you get camera angles from all all across the track from you know hundreds of camera camera angles, and you have to you have to make some split decisions really quickly. Um, so there was a big big crash at the Gold Coast 500. Yes. Um, so I jumped in the, into what we call a course car ride, and we went around, did an assessment on the track during the race. Uh, it was a 10-car pile-up. So by the time those cars got back to pit lane, got repaired, I had to make the decision whether racing would continue or, or stop. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a big call. Um, I kept the racing going and made a few critical decisions. Um, and, you know, you've got to assess asphalt level damage um, you have to assess concrete barriers because these concrete barriers, like they weigh four ton, but they do move when they get hit. Had to assess curb damages, everything like that, and and you have to check the barriers, making sure there's no edges that the the drivers might hit and um you know obviously hurt themselves. So. Sounds pretty intense. Yeah, I was out I was out on the track for uh, about three and a half minutes, and in my head it felt like an hour. <laughs> Wow. So it was a long time, and it was sorry, it was very quick, but it felt like long, and it, like the adrenaline definitely got going. Oh, so yeah, what an experience. Yeah, both about mentors before Josh, but how have role models influenced your STEM career? I mentioned my auntie Keitha before. Um, she was the first of my family to go to uni, so I had some good chats with her when I was younger, and just about trying to um, see how I could use my you know use it like my math critical thinking everything like that through my career um and like I mentioned not not going into law rather than going into engineering was good and then from there like you know I really I was really mentored well from my rugby coaches growing up and then like you know they always pushed me to be better than just a rugby player that's how they influenced my career and once I got into uni I was I was kind of just there was nothing holding me back from finishing so how have Indigenous initiatives either in education or career development in STEM, influenced your career? I didn't take part in any of initiatives during my education. Okay. At the time, I suppose, it wasn't something that was offered to me or wasn't something that I like, sought out. And then as I went through my career, I saw the importance of those kind of roles and I kind of wish I did. Um, we recently had, recently, uh, had a baby nine months ago, me and my partner. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and we utilised the... Um, Jar Jum's uh, program here in the Gold Coast Hospital. Yes. And it was awesome. Like the support we got through was um, through the nurses there were great. And I really, really thank them for that support. So I wish I had been more involved, but at the time I didn't, didn't get any. So, In the goal of increasing Indigenous people's participation in all areas of STEM, what are some recommendations you have to achieve this goal? So I feel like getting involved with the industry early is, is a real important part. Even if you're a student just finishing high school or anything like that or thinking about engineering 
there's a lot of companies out there that are looking for good people right now and um, and really want to mentor people. So getting involved early is, is really crucial. Um, and then try and find a mentor, even if they're not in your sector, they could be friends, family, rugby coaches, teachers, anything, but um, people that want to better yourself and, and gain knowledge through that engineering field is great. So that'd be, that'd be my um, recommendation. So. As an Indigenous person in STEM, what advice would you offer to other Indigenous people interested in STEM? Engineering, well, I can't really speak for engineering, but engineering is a pretty rewarding career. Um, there's heaps of options to build and create the world that we live in. Um, it can be very hard work, so I won't lie there, but it's well worth it in the end. So as you gain more and more experience in the engineering field, it becomes um, more, more and more rewarding. And then there's some real good opportunities to get paid well and obviously set yourself up and provide for your family. So I found that really attractive part of engineering. And you mentioned also the opportunity to travel. Yeah, so definitely um, travel is a big part of engineering, I suppose. Sometimes there's young engineers that don't want to leave home and travel, but I feel it's really important to get experience in rural and remote projects because they're just different. You have to resource, you have to get critical, you know, like on everything because you, you have to resource them yourself. You haven't got, you know, Bunnings down the road or a quarry up the road and, you know, you've got to plan equipment two, three days out and, and plan the job. So, yeah, definitely set you up for a good career. Finally, Joss, was, was there anything else you wanted to share um, with the listeners just get involved with engineering it's it's a great great field to be involved in and it's very like I said it's very rewarding it's given me a lot of, a lot of opportunities in my life and I'm very grateful for everything that it's given me so thank you very much Josh thanks so much for your time and it was just a pleasure listening to your experiences and thanks for sharing them with us thanks very much appreciate it